My name is Josh Shelton, and my grandfather is a retired minister named Bruce Parrish. After graduating from Louisiana College, I was lucky enough to live with my grandparents for a few months. I was finally getting old enough to really appreciate spending time with them. It was a privilege that not everyone gets to enjoy as an adult. I wanted to capture some part of that experience and those stories for the rest of the family, especially for my younger cousins and my own son. When we started talking about this project, my grandfather and I, we talked about the kinds of stories to include. Certainly in my case, some of my biggest learning experiences were not my proudest moments. They're not always stories you enjoy retelling. And yet, if there's any way to pass along the benefit of those experiences, especially to the people you love, I think that most of us would want to preserve as much as possible. This episode of the Bruce Parrish story covers a lot of years. Along the way, Bruce felt a calling that he was reluctant to follow. There might be a parallel in Jonah's calling to Nineveh. He also felt a need to travel to Miami, and I think I can speak for the rest of the family in saying we're very glad that he went to Florida when he did. His life path included some bumps and unexpected turns, but in hindsight, I think it's easy to see how jobs and other things prepared him for what came later. But that's enough for me. Thank you, and I hope you enjoy listening to the Bruce Parrish story. Second session of recording. Uh, <clears throat> I um, was remembering that uh, after I went to live with my new mother and my dad, I still in the summer times would go back and visit my grandmother and my uncle on the farm. And uh, a lot of things happened uh, over those summers as I would go back. Uh, I learned to drive the truck. I learned to drive the tractor. Um, I remember um, one day being out in the field and we were working and I got into a wasp nest and a wasp stung me. And uh, one of my uncles uh, came over and he was chewing tobacco. So he took part of that tobacco he was chewing and put it on the wash sting on me. And he said that would help to take the pain out, draw the poison out. And so it did seem to, uh, to help. <clears throat> one time I was riding in the wagon with Uncle Otha, and he was chewing tobacco, and I said, uh, I want to chew. So he broke off a piece and gave it to me, and I started chewing it, and I wasn't uh, spitting it. I was swallowing it, so I began to get sick. And so uh, that sort of cured me of my curiosity. I, I never did want to chew tobacco after that, but... Um, but a lot of experiences happened um, there uh, on the farm in the summers when I would go back and experience those things, and uh, it uh, gave me a lot of a lot of in interesting experiences. Uh, when I was in Humboldt, uh, twelve, thirteen years old, and had the paper out, they had a contest for the 
the most uh, new subscriptions you'd get for the newspaper. I want an award. I want a, a set of knives and uh, a knife collection I have today. The first knives I got was those that I had earned uh, in the contest there on my paper route. Uh, also in that period while I was a Humboldt, uh, yo-yoing uh, was being introduced. And so I got me a yo-yo and there was a contest and I won several patches uh, in the, the yo-yo skills I had developed to walk the dog, to uh, reach for the moon. So uh, I have some patches that I earned while we were there in Humboldt with uh, yo-yoing. Um, in the ninth grade, we had moved on to Dyersburg. My dad and Mr. Tyler had opened up another Big Star supermarket, and uh, we moved to Dyersburg. In uh, high school, I played basketball, uh, and um, I worked on Saturdays in particular at the store, my dad's store, uh, sacking groceries and carrying out packages uh, to to the people's groceries, taking the groceries out to their cars. I learned expectation of my, my dad early on. One of the rules he set forth was that uh, he paid me for working there and anything I wanted to eat, if I wanted candy, I needed to pay for it because uh, it would set a bad example for the other employees if I'm eating candy uh, at the store. So I learned that if I wanted candy, I paid for it like any other customer because I was being paid for the work that uh, I was doing. So it was an experience I learned about the expectation of, of my dad. Uh, one time I was supposed to be out in the back in the summertime, working and supposed to be putting the bottles and the cases by the different brands. And I got bored and I was sitting out there chunking stones at something and my dad came out. He got angry with me and sent me home. He fired me because uh, I was goofing off on the job. I wasn't doing what he had sent me out there to do. But um, I learned to, to work. Uh, when I was in the 10th grade, Dad had um, bought a new Chevrolet. Uh, it was a coupe with a black bottom and a white top to it. And um, I had uh, taken it out in the evening with uh, my friends, and I wanted to see how fast it would go. And uh, got out of ways in the country on the paved road, and went to turn around to come back to town and the so shoulder was soft and all of a sudden I was stuck. I couldn't get get out. So I knew I was going to be in big trouble. But as a farmer, he saw me and he came out and brought his tractor and pulled me out of the mud back onto the road. I headed back to town real quick because now I have mud all over the car. So I had to find a station where they had a hose that I could Wash that mud off the car before I carried it back uh, to my house where my dad would see it if it had that mud on it. I um, 
struggled in school um, when I was in the 11th grade I failed um, English and chemistry and algebra so my folks um, had learned about school up in East Tennessee, Harrison Chilhawa Baptist Academy. So it was near Knoxville. And they took me up there to go to summer school to make up those credits that I had failed. And I liked it so well. Uh, it was like living on a college campus. Uh, students lived in dorms and uh, went to the dining hall to eat. Then some of the off time, I worked on the farm that they had there connected to the school and I kept the haul of hay and kept maintain the tennis court for the for the coach. So when it came time for the summer to be over, I begged my folks to let me stay and go to a school there and Seymour, uh, Tennessee. So after a few trips home, I found out that really I could hitchhike and get there earlier than, um, than the bus would get me home. So I started hitchhiking from, from Seymour, Tennessee, back, back down to Dyersburg, and had uh, a number of experiences uh, in that uh, hitchhiking experience. One night, uh, a day, a man had picked me up, and he was sort of tongue-tied, and he was said that uh, he wasn't afraid of picking up hitchhikers because he reached down under the seat, pulled out a gun, that because I had this with me to uh, make sure nobody hurts me. So uh, it was a lot of times that I waited on crossroads for cars to come, but uh, I learned early there as a senior in high school that Hitchhiking was a way to get from one point to another. But um, I went on and attended the senior year at Harrison Hill Howard, played on the basketball team. I had the experience of living in the dorm with other students and had a good experience. I have fond memories of that time that I spent at Harrison Chill uh, Howard. After I graduated from high school, I wanted to join the military and my mother convinced me to do a couple of years of college before I made that decision that I would be old and more mature and know more what I needed to do. And that summer I worked for my dad um, in the grocery store and then when school came time for college, I went off to Union University there in Jackson, Tennessee. My parents still lived in Dyersburg at that time. My brother had pledged fraternity ATO. I pledged for the fraternity, lived in a the fraternity house, and uh, became the basketball and the baseball manager for the team. Uh, my roommate was a player on both the basketball and the baseball teams and so I got to travel with the team on the games and um, I guess uh, 
my educational experience was uh, interfering with, with my grades uh, because uh, the first semester I failed a five-hour algebra course and then I had to take it over the second semester and failed at the second semester and friend uh, had gotten a job for the summer up in Joliet, Illinois. So I headed to Joliet to get a job in the paper mill for the summer. But while I was there, um, I got a letter from the dean. Dean Wright wrote me and said, Bruce, uh, you are removed from college. You can't come back. So I got kicked out of Union University because of my academic grades. Uh, but while I was there in Joliet, uh, working at the paper mill, I worked a swing shift and I roomed in a family's home that I met. She had a little restaurant and I um, would uh, go to the restaurant, eat my meals and then go to work. I bought a car and um, some happened, they no longer were going to be renting that room. So I had moved into a, a resident um, hotel that um, people lived in as well as people came and checked in for the night. And one night I was going up to my room and I met a bunch of kids who were traveling and they were with uh, a magazine crew uh, with Union Circulation Company out of New York. So they were all so excited, having so much fun. They said, why don't you come and join us? Uh, after giving some thought to the proposition of traveling around the country, enjoying all the exciting things that they were talking about, I decided that uh, I would do that. So I had a car. I knew that it would not make the travel they were doing. So a mechanic that had done work for my, on my car, I took it to him, signed the title over and asked him to sell it and send me the, the money after he sold the car. I went and took all of my other belongings that I wouldn't be able to carry with me on the travel with selling magazines and put that in a footlocker and took that to the bus station and sent it home and notified my folks to be looking for it and picking up at the bus station. So we started off on this uh, exciting adventure. We went from Gilbert, Illinois, up to Madison, Wisconsin. And they began to teach me the sales pitch for selling the magazines. And uh, we would get in a car, a crew chief, chief would take us out of ways into uh, areas and drop us off. And um, we'd go house by house. And then we were to meet at the corner and the crew chief would come back and get us and move us to another spot. And uh, I had uh, good success on some days and not uh, a lot of success on other days. We went from there down to Virginia. My best uh, recollection is that uh, we traveled in 12 states during that time that uh, I was uh, selling in the magazines. I was with them for about uh, four months. 
we got to New Orleans area and uh, I was knocking on doors and came back out to the street and a policeman picked me up and took me to the police station, fingerprinted me. And uh, I was told that there was a man in the area that had um, insulted a woman and her daughter who had been sunbathing and uh, that I was charged with it. Um, they were having the woman and the daughter come to identify. And when they came, they saw that I was not the one that had been uh, accused. Uh, so after having been fingerprinted and held in a holding cell for a period of time, they uh, turned me loose. So I called the crew chief and they came and picked me up from jail. Along in the way, they they uh, said, with your appearance and your manner and everything, uh, you ought to use a ministerial pitch. And uh, I said, well, what's that? I said, well, you, you tell them that you're going to be going to John, Bob Jones University in Florida to prepare for the ministry, and you're trying to earn scholarships for school. So it seemed like maybe my sales picked up a little bit. We worked our way on up, and we were in Kansas City, Missouri. And uh, I went and knocked on the door of a house. After I gave my opening spill, the, the man said, Oh, we're so glad you've come. My wife is dying of cancer. And uh, I want you to come in and pray for us. So... The man took me on back into his wife's bedroom and I talked for a few moments with her. And uh, got down on my knees and prayed like I'd never prayed before. Went back out to the street went down to the corner where I was to meet my crew chief. And when he came to pick me up, I said, I've had it, I'm going home. So when I went back to the hotel to settle up, the boss who uh, ran the business, there were uh, probably 12 or 15 of us. And uh, when I would, sell subscriptions that went on the account and then they would issue money as I needed it. They paid for the hotel bill um, and he said, uh, it looked like from my record uh, you don't have anything coming, Bruce. In fact, you owe me a little money. So I had uh, less than a, a dollar in my pocket and so I had him take me down to the bus station in Kansas City, Missouri so I called my folks and asked my dad if he would wire me some money. There was a Western Union office right there in the bus station in Kansas City. So he wired me $50 and I had set up all night there in the bus station. Had just some snacks to eat with what little money I had left. So I began to hitchhike from Kansas City back toward Tennessee to Dyersburg, and um, 
I decided that I really wanted to go to Miami, Florida. That had been a dream, so I decided I would just hitchhike on down to Miami, Florida, get a job down there. And a man picked me up in a car around Little Rock, and he urged me to go home. He said, how long has it been since you've seen your parents? And I said, oh, it's probably been about a year. And he said, well, you ought to go see your folks before you go on down to Miami. So I hitchhiked on to Dyersburg, where my folks were, and they sort of tried to talk me out of not making that trip on down to Miami, but uh, I needed to find a job. So most of the job opportunities I went to, they found out that I was subject to be drafted any time. And so good job opportunities seemed to be sort of not open to me. So I decided I'd go ahead and just join the the military and get that over with. So I went down and they suggested I join the reserves and then be called up to active duty right away, that that would be the best approach for me to take. So I did that and I was called up to active duty and was sent uh, to Port Chaffee, Arkansas for basic training. Went through basic training and um, when they looked at my skills, they said that I was the best trained to be in a clerk typist in the military. So I went to that school and so my assignment out of training was to San Antonio, to Brooks Army Medical Center. I was attached to the headquarters there at the, the Brooks Army Medical Center in San Antonio. And uh, really the job was, was almost like civil service. I um, went to work at 7.30 in the morning and got off about four. I pulled KP about uh, once every six weeks, lived in the barracks with other soldiers. During a period of time, I went to San Antonio Junior College and took a class trying to think about getting a, a college education. I went to work for HEB food stores um, for, on Saturday. I wasn't, uh, didn't have a military responsibility, but um, I uh, worked there for a while to save up some money. I always uh, wanted to learn how to dance. My mother wouldn't let me go dancing growing up. She said it was uh, led to the bad things that uh, young couple out on the dance floor began to be tempted beyond uh, temptation sometime, and she thought that was not appropriate. So I felt like I had really missed something, not being able to know how to dance. And so I signed up for lessons at Arthur Murray Dance Studio and um, went for a number of, of weeks uh, learning how to do some dances. 
Um, I was in a sergeant's position while going there as a private, so I was promoted each time my rank would come up for consideration. So in a short period of time, I find myself being a specialist fourth class, which is a corporal. But uh, one night I had gone down to a bar right outside the the base and uh, met a woman in there and was walking her back home. And uh, as we were walking along, a car drives past and somebody yells at this woman I'm with. And I say, is that somebody you know? She said, well, I don't think so. So we were talking and I hadn't noticed the car had stopped up the street a little ways. And when we got up there, even to it, the car door opened and a woman got out and began to argue with the woman I was with. And they were about to fight. And uh, being the gentleman I was, I didn't think that was appropriate. I stepped in the middle to keep them from fighting. And about that time, I get a blow to the head. I'm sort of stunned, and what had happened is the driver of the car had gotten out, and when I wasn't noticed, had come up behind me and uh, had hit me with a tire iron on the left side of the head. He was uh, left-handed. So uh, the time I sort of came to my senses, they were driving off in the car, and the woman I was with was gone. So I made my way back up the street to a restroom in a gas station and felt the blood on my head and realized that maybe I was going to need a stitch or two. So I got a cab and had them take me to the back to the base and to the medical clinic there on the base. And so they looked at it and they said, well, it does look like you're going to have to have a few stitches. We better run you over to the hospital. So they put me in an ambulance and took me over to the hospital. A nurse was sent in with me and the intent was to keep me awake uh, that that night. Uh, The next morning, they came in and did surgery. My skull had been crushed where that tire had hit the skull and that some of the bone had been embedded into my brain. And uh, three days after the surgery, I began to have some uh, issues. I couldn't read. Um, One of the buddies from the barracks had brought me a Playboy magazine and I I couldn't read the stories in the in the magazine, nothing made sense. And uh, in about three days, that had disappeared. And uh, the doctor had said that I'd had one chance in a hundred of living. They sent me back to the to the dorm for a period of time. And in about 30 days, they had me come back in and they put a plate, I thought, in that place where the skull had been crushed and removed so as to give me protection for my my head. I later learned it was a cadaver bone that they wired into the place there where I'd had the injury. 
while I was uh, laying around the dorm, I picked up my Bible and was reading it, trying to understand what to, what was happening, uh, what this meant in my, my life. I was reading in the, a little New Testament that uh, was given to all soldiers when they go into the service, and I was flipping through the pages and was reading in Romans, the uh, 10th chapter, and scripture and where it says how then can they call on the one they have not believed in and how can they believe and the one of whom they have not heard and how can they hear without someone preach to them and uh, as i read that i felt like god was saying to me that's what he wanted me to do i didn't uh, feel like i could do that at, at all went on and finished my time in military, got out and was uh, still had this idea I wanted to go to Miami, Florida. So I started uh, hitchhiking from San Antonio, Texas to Miami, uh, went through New Orleans, uh, rented a room there, spent about a week in the French quarters going in and out of clubs, uh, enjoying the city, and then went on and continued to hitchhike. When I got over into Florida, a man picked me up who was from Pennsylvania, and uh, he had a Ford uh, car that had the kind of attractable hardtop on it, so it was making it for convertible, and so he had the top down, and I got a ride with him. We hit it off and uh, he was uh, going down for vacation in Miami. So we got a room in the Blue Waters Hotel in Miami, shared expenses. I had my mustering out pay from the military. So about the third day there at the Blue Waters Hotel, the beach was across the street and there was a stone wall along the opposite side of the street between the beach and the street. And we were sitting on that stone wall looking out at the people who were coming and spreading their blankets and at the ocean. And we saw these two gals come and spread their blankets and we thought they looked like uh, there ought to be somebody that we ought to make acquaintance with so we discussed it one was sitting on the blanket the other one was going down to the water and so chuck was going to head to the one on the blanket so i headed down to the water and got down there and worked my way up to where the young lady was splashing around in the water and started a conversation and she was commented about how much colder the water was in Chicago than what it was there in Miami. 
after some conversation, we went back up and sat on the blankets together. And Chuck and I tried to get a date with the two gals and uh, found out that one was named Linda and the other name was Joan and a sister. And uh, after uh, a period of conversation, Joan indicated that she wouldn't, she wouldn't, date because she was in the process of getting divorced, but I did get Linda's phone number on a matchbook, and so uh, several days after we had met, I called her and uh, found out where she and Joan were staying, and so uh, took the bus over there, and then we went and uh, dancing on the glass bottom boat and we went to the beach and saw each other every day for about 17 days and uh, I tried to get a, a job there at one of the grocery stores because that's what I knew most about and uh, it didn't seem that uh, that was going to be the best thing found out that Linda was from Chicago I had worked in Joliet so I thought maybe the job opportunities would be better there. And uh, so she was going to be returning home. And I had met a, a young man who was a, had, uh, was a diver. He was headed to Gary, Indiana, which was going to be pretty close to where I was going. So, uh, but he wanted to go by the island of Captiva before we got to Gary, Indiana. And, uh, he had heard about some ships that there was some treasure on that he was going to see if he could get some of that treasure. So my job was to pick up shells and driftwood on the beach. Uh, he made hats out of uh, palm leaves and uh, would sell those palm leaf hats to uh, tourists. And he paid for our meals and our hotel while we were there by making those hats out of palm leaves. He didn't have any success in finding treasure, so we had the little convertible uh, forward. Actually, the top didn't work on it. We had piled driftwood, had bags of shells, uh, seashells, and it had the, had the wood tied on. So we were headed to Gary, Indiana, and in our Trip, we uh, were going to go through Nashville. So we were out of Nashville a ways, and I called my brother, who lived in Nashville at that time, just to say howdy. But he insisted that we come by and spend the night. So we rolled up in my brother's yard with uh, being in shorts and t shirts and brown skin from being out in the, the sun. And uh, Driftwood piled up on this car with it being tied down. So that evening before bedtime, my brother got me out to the side and he said um, that Bruce, a family's concerned about you. Um, you know, by your age, I was already a college graduate, was married and had a son. When you go make something out of yourself. So, um, 
the next morning we headed on up to Gary, Indiana. We got there. I heard him talking to his folks and they told him that I couldn't spend the night. He had a few bucks. I had maybe three or four dollars left over from what money I had in Florida. And uh, he gave me five dollars and bought me a ticket into Chicago. So uh, I took the train on into Chicago that night and uh, had looked up the men's YMCA in downtown Chicago. So that's where I spent my, my first night. 